So we're going to walk down through this passage because there's a lot of things about this drama that we don't that you really don't understand and I want to try to help you to understand. But let's 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 keep in mind though that the drama is going to reveal some truths to us. So you're listening for three truths that the drama reveals. But let's just look into this. If you're going to understand a drama, you know when you attend a play, they always give you a program. And in the program, they list the main characters so that you can read that prior to the play, hopefully, or at least while it's going on, so that you can get a sense of who the key players are. Now, the key players in this passage are real clear. We've got the Jewish leaders, we've got Jesus, and we've got a new character that John's introduced us to, Pontius Pilate. Now, we know John's been pretty good to explain to us who Jesus is, so I'm not going to Every message is about Jesus. We'll be talking about Jesus, but I won't explain to him who Jesus is. And we got that through walking through John. And we know who the Jewish leaders are. We've been interacting with them all along. What we don't, we don't know much about Pontius Pilate. The Apostles' Creed actually mentions Pilate. It reads, Jesus was can see those, some churches recite this every week. We've re, I think we recited it on Good Friday. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. That's, the, that's the, a, a section of the Apostles' Creed. Suffered under Pontius Pilate is really interesting because Jesus suffered under a lot of people. But... Pontius Pilate gets named in the Apostles' Creed. Why? Why Why does it all fall to Pontius Pilate, who in this section of Scripture tells us that I find no guilt in him at all? Why Why does he? Pontius Pilate is the uh, public persona. When you think of the trial of Jesus and the execution of, of judgment upon Jesus, you think of Pilate, the Roman ruler, who did this. And so that's what the Apostles' Creed means when it says suffered under Pontius Pilate, but it could have said suffered under Annas, the high priest, suffered under Caiaphas, the high priest, suffered under the Jewish leaders, De- could have said denied by best friends, abandoned, right? It, it, could, have had, it could have said a lot of things. His suffering is, enca- is encaptured under the, the name Pontius Pilate. Now, some of you, if you're really un- honest, You have no idea who Pontius Pilate is. And when you saw the the word Pilate in the scriptures, you actually thought they were talking about a yoga class. You thought it was Pontius Pilates. I was talking to my friend Gabe. He had had just become a Christian and was getting a sales job. He He had just started a sales job and he had just become a Christian. And so he was the opposite. He had never heard of Pilates but he was reading his Bible, and so he knew about Pilate, Pontius Pilate. So he was going down through a list of sales calls that he was making, calling people up to see if they needed the service, and he found a place called Washington Pilates. So he called them up. They said hello. He said, hello, is this Washington Pilots? They said, huh? This is Washington Pilates. Some of you all heard me say Pilate, and you thought I was talking about a yoga class. Who's Pilate? 
The scripture doesn't tell us much about Pilate. He's an infamous man who played a, a, a crucial role in the trial of Jesus. But the gospel doesn't tell us a lot about him. Only Luke 13 tells us one other thing about Pilate than the, fact, than the role that he played in the trial of Jesus. And it was in the murder of some Jews and sacrifices, who had offered sacrifices. But if you read other sources other than the Bible, Pilate was a man in history that you can learn some things about. And, and if you didn't pick it up in this uh, section of scripture, Pilate, was, Pilate does not like the Jews. And the Jews don't like Pilate. The Jews are a pain in Pilate's keister. And he's a pain in theirs. Pilate was appointed governor of Judea in A.D. 26 by Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Roman emperor. He served there until A.D. 37, not long after Jesus' crucifixion. And this was not a role that you wanted. When Pilate was trying to rise through the ranks, the appointment to Judea was like the last one you wanted because the Jews were notoriously difficult to manage. So the Rome, this was not a cushy job. This was not one that he wanted. It makes you ask. He got on somebody's bad list. Are you Okay. You're going over there to Judea. You can be emperor over there. And he hated it. When he, when he actually came into town, when he came into Jerusalem, he brought images of the Roman emperor with him. So he came into town with these images of the Roman emperor. And the Jews had a fit. They were furious with this guy. Who does this guy think he is bringing the, the image of the Roman emperor into Jerusalem? And so they staged a sit-down, a literal sit-down. They sat down in front of his headquarters and they said, we ain't moving until you move the image of the emperor. And so Pilate said, fine. So they sat there in the street for five days. And so finally, Pilate called in the troops, and he warned them, if you don't leave, I'm going to order the soldiers, we're going to start taking your heads off. And so the, the Jews that were protesting laid back down and extended their necks, said, come on, come take our heads off. So Pilate, this is like his first five days in office. He backed down, removed the images of the emperor. Jews won, Pilate zero. Once he tried to defame the temple by placing Roman shields in the holy place. This really ticked them off. And the emperor actually had to command, the Roman emperor commanded Pilate to respect the religious freedom of the Jews. So stand down, Pilate. So now he's, they got him in trouble with his boss. Once he took the sacred treasure from the temple to build an aqueduct, that sparked another protest. This time, Pilate sent soldiers into the crowds and they clubbed people to death. Finally, when they were making coins for Judea, Pilate stamped the coins with images from pagan religions. This infuriated him. 
but it must have felt like he was sticking it to them by having them put those coins in their pockets and carry them around with these, you see this fight. So, so what I want you to see is there's this political tension that's going on between Pilate and the Jews and Rome. And that's the setting. If you don't understand that, you're not going to get much out of this. So let's walk through the text. You look at verse 28. This is what it says. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. So, so John doesn't tell us anything about what happened at Caiaphas' place. He only tells us what happened at Annas's. And then, then John doesn't tell us anything about they, 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 they troop off to Caiaphas' place, and Caiaphas sends him to Pilate. And so that's where John picks up this story. Now, when they get to the governor's headquarters, something really interesting happens. They, it's early morning because they're rushing the, the trials are not supposed to take place at night. This whole thing is a sham. They're take, they've got the trial taking place at night. And, and now, I'll just look at the time. I got real distracted. Like, how I haven't even gotten to the first point yet. So we're going to blow through this. We're going to do the best we can. And we'll sing at the end. They, they, they get to the Pilate's headquarters, but remember, they're celebrating the Passover, and so they can't go in. Jews can't go in to a Gentile's home underneath a roof. If you're in a courtyard, you're fine. So many rules, guys. <laughs> But it, they can't go under a roof or they'll become clean, unclean. And if they're unclean, they can't participate in the rest of the Passover festivities. Goes on for a week. So, so the drama plays out in an interesting way where the, the Jewish leaders stand outside. Pilate comes out onto a balcony, talks to them, then hustles in to talk to Jesus, who has obviously been made unclean. He is the Passover lamb. And then Pilate hustles back out to talk to them. And then he hustles back in to talk to Jesus. And that's going to continue through the next chapter. It's like this just weird drama playing out. These men were so scrupulous to avoid any ritual defilement even while they carry out the most evil, vile act of human history. As they delivered the unblemished, innocent lamb of God to slaughter, they made sure their hands were clean. This reveals to us the first truth, the emptiness of religion. Now, for most of us, we look at this passage of Scripture and we judge them. How could they do? How could they act this way? 
How could they, how could they be worried about defilement so that they might continue to enjoy the Passover meal and be handing Jesus over to a trial that's a total sham, total lack of justice, and crucify the Son of God. You know, the, the Bible actually refers at times to making statements like this, that God sometimes hates religion. It's like, it's like the people, people like us doing religious things when our hearts are not really engaged is like smoke from a fire that gets in your eyes and stings you. You know that feeling? The, the, the scriptures speak about the incense rising up to God from the sacrifices of religious worship that actually is repulsive in God's nostrils. But we got to be careful that we don't look at this and say, what hypocrites over there? And not say, what about right here? We crucify Jesus afresh every time we honor him with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. Does anybody know what that feels like? Sometimes we highlight discipline over devotion. Sometimes we highlight religion over relationship. And this is what fallen humanity is like. Religion without faith is a deadly thing. There's a lot of people in the world that think they're okay with God, not because their lives are being transformed, but because they have some form of religion but they don't know what it's like to experience a relationship with the Savior, a Savior that went to the cross, that they might be, they might believe in his name and have life in his name. This is something that we should give thought to. Religion without faith is a deadly thing. Let's look at the rest of this sketch. Let me hit these next two very quickly. We see what happens next. Pilate asks him, what accusation do you bring against this man? Now, Pilate's trying to play by the rules. He's saying, you can't just, just show up my house early in the morning bringing someone to trial without a charge. What's the charge? They answered him, but listen, they don't really give him an answer. They answer him with this. They basically say sarcastically, listen, if this guy hadn't, you think we'd wake you up in the middle of the night if this guy hadn't done something wrong? That's not really an answer. You think, you think we'd haul him over to you if he hadn't done some evil 
Pilate sees their game. He knows that this is, polit- this is a political thing that they're doing. And we're going to understand why in just a second. They need Pilate. And they need him quickly to execute justice unjustly. And so, Pilate says to them, you've got your own law. You've got to beef with this guy because he's violating some of your laws. You take him back and you judge him by your own law. And then they say, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Implications? They want a death. (laughs) They want death for this guy. And and their law won't give it to him. And so, because the Jews weren't allowed under Roman rule to put anyone to death. The Romans reserved that right. We're the ones that bring capital punishment around here. And so, so they say it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. And Pilate realizes their game. They know that they can get Pilate to, to charge Jesus in a way that results in his death as long as they don't make it a religious crime. they got to make this crime political. In this section, we see something happen, though. This was to fulfill, verse 32, this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Do you know how the Jews would kill someone who had broken the moral law if a capital punishment was required? Stoning. No cross. The cross is a Roman form of execution. And the scripture tells us over and over again that anyone that is hanged on a cross is cursed of God. They want everyone who sees Jesus' death to know that it was the Romans who did it and God is judging this man. He is cursed. Because we, our, scripture, our, our holy scriptures tell us that cursed is any man who is hung upon a tree. And then tells us In verse 37, Jesus tells us, For this purpose I was born. I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. The second thing that I want us to see here, and I know I'm moving kind of quickly for the sake of time. The first thing we saw is the emptiness of religion. The second thing we see is the wonder of God's salvation plan. What I mean by this is, This was going to fulfill the word that Jesus has spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus, it was in God's plan that Jesus would die that accursed death on a tree being crucified in fulfillment of scriptures. It is in fulfillment of scriptures that Jesus is a king. And in his kingship, he came for what purpose? Not to compete with the Romans. Jesus isn't here to be a political king. He's not not a threat to Pontius Pilate because he's not taking the kingdom by force. 
He's not taking the kingdom on earth by force because he's not a king of this world. He's a king of another world. And his purpose was God sent, the Father sent him to bear witness to the truth. But Jesus' death is a fulfillment of scriptures. In other words, the cross is according to God's plan. How does it make you feel to be a part of someone else's plan? See, this is supposed to lead us to worship. Yesterday, I, I had a really busy week. I had a, just a, uh, one of those crazy ones. And one of my close friends, co-worker, pastoral ministry for the last 10 years, Jairus is burying his mom in Buffalo. It was not an ideal week to take a trip to Buffalo. Dave and I got on a plane Friday night, 8.45 in Philly, flew to Buffalo, stayed in a hotel, showed up on Saturday morning to, to J. Russ's mom's funeral. We were home by Saturday afternoon. When he turned around in that funeral home or in that church and saw me and Dave walk in, deeply affected his soul. Later, he pulled up to his home. I never saw where Jason grew up, but I was standing in his yard that he grew up in. And he just was like, this is so crazy, man. This is like my world's colliding. Doesn't it feel good to be part of someone's plan? When you realize that someone changed their plans or actually sat down and started making decisions because they had you in mind. If you're in Christ, God did that. You are part of God's plan. Like, like, like when he, this salvation is not some generic thing that's like, hey, it's available for everybody. And, and if you take it, you get, yeah, it is. You can be saved in Jesus' name. But it's not, it's not like it's a nameless thing. Like here's Christians over here, here's non-Christians over here, and then God doesn't care. No, he planned out salvation. It says before the foundations of the earth were laid and you were part of his plan. It's almost like God's sitting there writing out his plan and he's writing it out and he's figuring out how he's going to save you. That blows my mind. Band. Sneak up here behind me real quickly <laughs> as I hit this last point. There's one last thing that happens, and I know I'm, I'm going over a lot. You guys got some scripture to read and process this week. But look at what happens here when Pilate asks what is truth. It's really interesting because Pilate marches back out to the Jews and tells them that he finds no guilt in Jesus. Pilate is a really complex character. 
Because there's times where I feel like I'm really confused by him. Because there, at times I feel like he's doing the right thing here. And then at times it's like, why is he doing that? I don't know how interested Pilate was in real truth. I think Pilate is a cynical man. When he says, what is truth, that's an expression of cynicism. And I don't know if he's interested in the invitation that Jesus offers him. But John does something incredible here at the end of this section of the trial. Pilate finds no guilt in him. And then in this kind of slippery way, walks out and says, but you do have a law that you guys, you guys have where I'm expected, once we find somebody guilty, we're allowed to release to you one person that's been imprisoned. So after saying he finds no guilt in Jesus, he treats Jesus as a guilty prisoner that he could release. And then in great irony, he says to them, do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Pilate is not threatened by Jesus. He doesn't see him to be the kind of usurper that the Jews see him to be. He already told him, the kingdom's not of this world. Well, it ain't competing with mine then. Pilate's problem is political. He's going to have a riot on his hands, one way or another. So he says to them, you have a custom that I should release to you one man at the Passover. Do you want me to release to you king of the Jews? They say, no, we don't want him. We want Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. That's a little bit more than what we think of. He's an insurrectionist, murderer, led rebellions against Rome. It's just so ironic that, that the one who had never done anything wrong is going to be released in place of someone who's done horribly wrong things. What's God teaching us there? The urgency of decision. The emptiness of religion, the wonder of God's plan of salvation, and the urgency of decision. What's the decision? Who do you want? Who would you have? Jesus or the world? Jesus or Barabbas? Who represents? He, he represents the alluring alternative to Jesus. Every day you are presented with the question, who we have, Jesus or Barabbas? Who will you have, Jesus or the alluring alternative saviors of the world? He represents worldly ambitions and dreams. He represents passions for lust. He's a robber. He's, a, he's, a, he's an insurrectionist. He's, he represents our hunger for pleasure. He represents all number of things. And what Jesus is offering in, in and over against what the world offers is the way of truth. 
He's offering knowledge of God. He's offering that if you believe in me, you'll have life in his name. And how does that come? Through repentance and faith in Jesus and a daily surrender of your life to him. And then he carries you, just like he carried David dad, through this shadow lands onto the shores of heaven where you'll spend eternity with him forever. He carries you just like he carried Beverly Russell all through the shadowlands of this life, right to the, to, the, to the shores of heaven where she'll spend eternity with him. So the question for you, so why I say it's the urgency of decision, is who is your king? Jesus or Barabbas? The world still chooses, and so must we. Amen.